Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody, to all of our Nomi beans. Happy New Year also to you, Cynthia, and Gabby, Gabriella. Welcome back. Yes. Thank you. Happy New Year. I would love to do something a little bit different in the spirit of the New Year. Usually we dive in with a story or something that's a little relatable around our topic, but in the new energy of the New Year, I'd love to offer our listeners a moment to just sit and think. It's frantic on all the lead up to New Year's and the celebrations. And now we are on New Year's Day. And I just love to invite everyone to really sit with themselves for a second and have a think about where you were a year ago today. Has anything changed? Are you feeling different? And in what way? What shifted unexpectedly? What unfolded predictably? You can pause the podcast or just have a second to reflect. And now I'm going to turn the very same question to my two friends here with me on the podcast today. What has come up for you when you think about the year behind? At this time last year, I had this deep feeling in my gut that I was going to be leaving my corporate job and pursuing my business full time my spiritual and coaching business. I can't explain it other than knowing it was a deep intuition that nobody else around me, at least not in my immediate family, shared. It was something that rose within me almost like a fire. I remember thinking to myself, this is the year. This is the year it's going to happen. I didn't know how. I didn't know what would unfold. And I had really no plan, actually, at that point. But I just had a feeling that it was going to be a very good and transformative year. Looking back, it's almost funny knowing that is exactly what happened. I've stepped into what I feel is an even greater calling and life purpose than I could have even known in that second. So it's pretty interesting to track those intuitive feelings that you get. Absolutely. I had a, I would call it a transformational year listening more to my, I like to call it my inner wisdom and really lean into it, allow myself to lean into the messages that I was getting, whether it was a gut feel, whether it was something somatic going on in my body and really get out of my head and more into my heart. And with that, I was able to really utilize my energies in the way that I wanted to, in a way that really helped me transformational rather than transactional. Transactional was really draining for me. I was really good at it, but that was my feel on the whole thing. And just to de-jargonize a little bit, when we say transformational versus transactional, mom, can you clarify what you mean by that? So transactional is I give something, I maybe give my time, my energy, my resources, and I get something in return. When I think about transformational, I almost think about a plant. Sure, I give the plant things, but it inspires growth and flourishing and actually a a way of creating its own energy. Mm -hmm. How would you describe transformational versus transactional, Gabby? I think of transformational as a real experience 
it's a human experience. It's something that goes into the spiritual. There's like a real energy behind it where the energy has shifted. Who you were at the beginning is not who you were after going through that experience. That's the transformation there. Transactional, I think, is I think of it like an equation. You put something in, you get something out, but there's no real energetic shift. And we see this a lot in the workplace, actually. And also with some of our relationships that end up being more superficial, it's because they're transactional and they're not transformational. Transformational has that extra underlying care and that extra intention that goes into it. The magic word I hear from both of you is around this energy. This is really interesting because I went to a networking event here in the UK and everyone stood up and said their little spiel. And we were asked because it was a business meeting of local business owners to each bring one piece of advice that we might have around running business that might help people in the room. And I said, my number one piece of business advice is to track and follow your energy. So take a journal and write down the things that really give you energy and make you excited about your business. And then also keep track of the things that really deplete your energy. And if you hear someone else telling their story about their business in this room and you think to yourself, oh, my God, I would rather cry than have to do that thing. That might be something you want to outsource in your business. If you think of marketing mm -hmm. and you want to just run to the other room and hide under the blankets, maybe <laughs> that's something you want to outsource. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, person after person came up to me and said, oh, it's so interesting that you do energy work and energy healing. And I was like, what? I didn't, I actually just said I was a, a coach and that I worked with like other therapists and other coaches. And mm -hmm. the only thing I said about energy was in that example. And everyone took it as spirituality energy in that specific tone. I realized in that moment that so few of us actually have conversations about energy and rest outside of physical energy and rest. We really only talk mm. about energy as something super quote unquote woo woo or something only to do with how much sleep you got last night. This word energy is so important because we really misunderstand what it means and that emotions are energy and that there's spiritual energy when we make these shifts. But we really only talk about energy in this very simple way, which I think does us a huge disservice. Energy is also so much about what is unseen. It's something that we feel. And I think that when people think about energy, they're like, oh, I slept eight hours because that is a physical thing that we did. We have physical proof that happens. But really, there's a lot that's happening in our orbit, even in our aura, that is energy. And that's what we want to learn to tap into and recognize. And when we're able to tap into that and have a relationship with that part of ourselves, I think that's when the real magic happens. Not only magic, but I think just satisfaction, right? Satisfaction and more well-being when we are honoring and listening to our rhythms, the things that resonate with us or the things that, like Madeline said, deplete us. What are our tells? And really being intentional about learning about ourselves and embracing that, not trying to change it. Yeah. And I think this is really important this time of year as well, when we talk about understanding what depletes us and what energizes us, 
Because there's also the energy that we feed off around us. And in the new year shift, there are a couple of types of energy I've found, at least in my own experience. One of them is this bustling, new, novel, joyous, new page, new chapter energy that we're human. Most people like novelty. We get a lot of energy from novelty and excitement from novelty. And so the new year itself feels very exciting and there's a really uh, curious and positive and opportunistic energy out there. And (laughs) there is this other energy, which is the should list of all the things that you have Mm -hmm. to change and the stuff you're doing wrong. And maybe this year will be the year. And it comes a little bit sneakily. It's sinister, this one, because sometimes it comes in the pretty package of what looks like an excited box. But then you open it and you feel like crap about yourself. And you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) I thought I was getting this gift of like curiosity and potential and change in the exciting packaging. But when I opened it, I ended up just feeling like I had made a list of 500 things I hate about myself and how I want to change all of that in one year because then finally I'm going to actually have the life that I feel I want and deserve. And these two energies kind of battle it out. And because of our negative biases, I find that most people end up landing in the really depleted bucket. And then by the end of January, when they've backslid on all of their goals and realize that huge transformational shift didn't happen in only 30 days, they blame themselves and feel like crap. And then it's about, okay, I guess 2024 is already over as I know it. And it's only February 1st. And that is us being transactional with ourselves too. When we're doing that, we're not visualizing, ooh, how good will it feel if I do X, Y, Z? We're not really embodying, oh, that feels really expansive. Instead, we're giving ourselves these marching orders because it looks like it will create success or it looks like it will create something that somebody else told us would be really good. And so we also need to watch that. We are very often transactional with ourselves and it can easily turn into a to-do list instead of these really motivating intentions. I have a personal opinion about goals. I think that sometimes when we set goals and we don't achieve them, we just end up feeling horrible about ourselves and we feel worse than even before we set it. So I like to set intentions. I think this is also where the manifestation conversation comes in because an intention is looking into the future and thinking of the possibility and then trying to feel how good it would feel if that actually came into your existence. So we can't Mm. forget the feeling. A goal often doesn't have that feeling. What if we approach the new year with all of these wonderful concepts and we embrace this thing called transformational change or intentional change? What would that look like? And it's really funny because I was looking up intentional change and there's actually in 2006, a gentleman by the name of Richard Boyatatsitz came up with an intentional change theory. And he said that the five stages, because we like to put things in a in that pretty, pretty wrapped box, right? We human beings, anything that makes change feel a little more comfortable, we're gonna, we're gonna gravitate towards. So he put it in five stages. One is discovering our ideal self. And of course, we can have a field day with that. Two, exploring real self, which we're talking about listening and really uh, getting in tune with ourselves. Three, developing a learning agenda. Boy, that sounds nicer than goals, doesn't it? A learning agenda. And that really supports curiosity, one of our favorite words. Number four, experimenting with new behaviors, thoughts, and feelings. Like, oh, 
That's interesting. And five, of course, is then making it real by practicing these concepts and really knowing where you are. Are you at stage one, right? I I just, this ideal self comes with, when I think about who I want to be in the world, what comes to mind? What would be my ideal self? Mm. What I hear through all five of them is this concept of flexibility. And this is Mm. a tricky thing because flexibility always feels like it's in direct contrast with accountability and the idea of going back on your word. We've talked about mental flexibility several times on this podcast because it's, I think, a cornerstone of a lot of things. Resilience, kindness toward Mm. ourselves, uh, progress, experimentation culture, flexibility is really at the, the core of all of this. And it's really a big game changer because when we set goals or intentions or whatever you want to call them, we're such planners, creatures of structure in this world that I think even if you don't call it a goal, an intention can very quickly become a goal when it looks like a five-step process. And flexibility can be really hard to introduce when we're trying to also have throughput and follow through. So what are your thoughts, both of you, on this tension between flexibility and accountability? I think it's very important to be flexible with ourselves because we are energetic beings. And if we're not flexible with ourselves, we're becoming very militant. And we actually start to suffocate our own energy, which is extremely damaging. Where the flexibility comes in is things happen. We have to assume that there's going to be things that happen over the course of the year that we don't expect. And we almost want to create a support system when something comes up that is unexpected. And for me, it's been having a community of people that can hold the vision for me, even when I myself am not feeling it in that day. Having that flexibility of knowing, okay, Gabby is maybe not going to be the one right now who is super motivated to keep on with my intention, but my community can show me that and can still spark that same support. That's really beautiful. That is still a form of accountability. I'm just getting it from a different source. So I think it's almost like creating a plan B for yourself when something goes awry or doesn't go as expected. What is it that you can turn to? It's really resonating for me, creating a community of like-minded people, whether it's within your family structure or it's outside or it's whatever, and it's sharing, all sharing our intentions. Because usually our intentions, for the most part, aren't something that we would want to move away from. They're for our good or the greater good of each other. And so we need to get back into the habit of trusting and utilizing each other to lift us up and hold us up and move us forward in a meaningful way. And I think we can do that and be accountable for ourselves as well as each other. I have a couple of clients who have come to me who have felt just very alone. Like they don't know where to start. They don't know where to create a community. And I've told them, you know what? Listening to a podcast that really resonates with you is a good first step. You don't always need to know in your physical life who is going to lift you up in that moment. If you can find someone who's inspiring and you listen to that podcast, for example, and you make that into a ritual for yourself, that can pull you up instantly. And I'm sharing that because back in the corporate world when I felt, oh gosh, I don't know who to turn to. I had a couple podcasts that I would listen to that were very 
spiritually minded and they were women who were really in their power and also had created these immensely successful businesses. And I would go on walks and I would just listen to these podcasts. And I felt that at that time, that was my community. And that gave me that strength where I could say, you know what, I can do this too. So even if you're feeling a little bit disconnected and you don't have someone to immediately turn to, know that you can find it elsewhere. This, I think, speaks into the concept of how you can energetically tap into a space before you know how to physically create it in your life. So often when we talk about big changes that people like to do, where they like to quit their jobs and overhaul their lives and all of this stuff is that's so intensely large. And the reality is that most people People are not in a position where they can just straight up leave their job, whether that's because they're not emotionally ready for the impact that's going to have on their lives or they've got certain dependencies that make that really not the best option. I mean, it's always technically an option to blow up your life, but maybe not always the best option. There are these other paths and routes where we can already start to engage in and connect with these energies before we know what that will look like and how it will play out in some of our day-to-day actions. So I love that you've shared that example, not just of podcasts, but any content. When you read a book, you're connecting with the author. When you listen to music, you're connecting with the artist. It's asynchronous, but it's still there. And I think that is such a wonderful resource in experimenting of, does this resonate with me? Because if you're, as you said, in the corporate world, you're realizing more and more, this is resonating, this is resonating. And then there's this shift of, oh my gosh, that's the jump. And it feels less scary because it comes from that place of knowing rather than a place of chaos and emotional reaction because you hated your corporate job so much you decided to just leave. I liked setting little intentions for myself each and every day. Do I have a big dream overall of how I would like to write my epilogue? Sure, I do. But really the most important thing is about each and every day setting a little intention and really checking in and getting to know myself each and every day with the little experiences that are happening one bite at a time because then I'm not shocking the system when I'm gradually maybe making a pivot toward letting go of one thing that is not creating good energy for me and embracing something else, right, without getting overwhelmed. What I say to myself a lot of times is, you know what, Cynthia, It's easier to pick yourself up if you've just fallen a little bit than if you've gone over a cliff and you're at the bottom of the ravine. That's going to be a higher, a bigger climb. And how many of us wait the whole year and then on December 31st, we say, oh, let me set an intention that's going to carry me to the end of my life and I'm going to get it all done in January. Yes. And it's an attunement. It's an attunement energetically. Even if you think about the aura, it is your electromagnetic field. You are always charging it and it's always building around you. That's really what we're working with here. So if you're to do something like leave your corporate job, but you have no support system and you haven't really made a plan, that's actually very damaging for your energy. It creates this shocking effect and it can actually shrink your aura. So you end up in a worse state. However, if you are holding this vision for yourself and, for example, you're visualizing in a meditation every day what it would be like 
to leave with smooth success, that actually creates this energetic attunement. And I share that because in a lot of the readings I do, people say, when should I do this? And when should I do that? And one of the most common messages I hear from spirit is give yourself time. Your energy is literally having to grow into whatever that vision is that you're holding for yourself. And I think of it like a painting. You don't make a painting overnight. You add color to it. You add texture. You step back. You look at where you are and you go in, you add something else. And if you tried to make a painting overnight, it'd be a very sloppy mm -hmm. painting. So give yourself that grace. I think a lot of times what happens and where people get lost and have the inclination for the overnight painting as this beautiful metaphor is because we like neat lines. We like knowing things. And we've even used this term several times around knowing, mm -hmm. right? And when I mm -hmm. think of knowing, the first thing that comes to my mind is knowing the answer is having it all figured out. This is one of the things I know about myself. I am so good at executing life. If you give me a plan and I just know how to do it and just have to find a way to get it done, I will do that. It's the ambiguity and the uncertainty and the how do I get to all of the answers. And I have this conversation with my clients and I clearly have this conversation with myself a lot that when we think about having life figured out or making these big changes, the inclination is to add up all of the answers. It's just one. You just need to have one answer and a heck of a lot of curiosity. You don't have mm -hmm. to know exactly how everything is going to play out. And when we say one answer, it doesn't even have to be words. So this concept of visualizing and attaching yourself to how you feel physically in your body and just envisioning what that would look like and feel like even in colors, right? You don't even have to create logical thought out of it. It could be what color would it look like if you were to really be living in alignment? How does that settle in your body? These are answers. They might not be the traditional answers that we're used to when it comes to deciding how to move forward in our lives. But then what happens is if you imagine this color and then you listen to this podcast or you speak to this person or you get this opportunity, that will come up. You'll be like, ooh, so funny. That color came back to my mind or Oh, I felt it in my heart space when I was thinking about that. And when I had that conversation with that person, I could literally feel my heart space warming up. And it helps us to connect our curiosity with that one answer that we have to just make the next choice. It's not about making these grand, massive decisions, although sometimes those big leaps happen for sure. It's about these micro ones at first and just the recognition of I see the breadcrumbs, right? Just finding those breadcrumbs on on that path so that we can just get a little bit closer to the thing that we vision for ourselves. Yeah, I think one of the things that's so important is staying in curiosity as long as possible. We do love to jump to judgment or a knowing or a decision. And I think we do ourselves a disservice. We're not talking about just goals or, or judgments around work, which is uh, for a lot of us a very important. But how about relationships that energize us versus deplete us and why? And really getting to know ourselves and listening to those cues as far as these people, it's not about the person being good or bad, right or wrong, that's too binary, but just energetically. Am I really in my head all the time when I'm talking to you or I'm interacting with this person or am I feeling it in other parts of me? Do I feel connected with them in my heart space? And maybe I did at one time, but maybe it's changed, right? And how do I navigate that? And you know what's very interesting is also working with surprise, knowing mm -hmm. that if we knew everything, our life would truly be so boring. And I'll share this as an example. 
I had this vision of myself giving these grand readings, like huge workshops with a lot of people. And one year ago, that wasn't happening. You know, I'd have a workshop, I'd have a couple people attend. But recently, I had a workshop here in Encinitas and there was like 50 people that came in and it was completely unexpected. And I had this moment where I was thinking to myself, you know what? That was quite literally what I was calling in. I just Mm. didn't know that would happen right now. And the funny thing is that specific center, I walked into it completely synchronistically. They invited me to come and do a workshop. It was something that, in my opinion, spirit orchestrated for me. And if I had tried to do that myself with my mind it probably wouldn't have happened as beautifully and it was just Mm. such a beautiful experience and now knowing that I can really hold that level of energy is such a fantastic thing I look back to who I was a year ago I I wouldn't have done that so just Mm. allowing surprise to work for you and know that it's so much more fun that way partnering with surprise I think is such a wonderful phrase it's not about just being surprised and blindsided by everything in your life or having an absolute handle on everything we can't work in those extremes That's very black and white, right? But that middle ground, when we learn to partner with surprise, can be so rich because it keeps it exciting and in that childlike wonder. And it allows us to recognize the pieces of it that we can control and how we can foster and create something that's meaningful to us, that matters to us, that looks the way we want it to look. And oftentimes when we create and focus on the thing that's within our control, we attract the stuff that's going to surprise us delightfully. Uh, Because our energy is really just mirroring what people like attracts like in a lot of ways. So if you're like busy working on this beautiful thing, someone else is going to be like, oh, that's a very shiny object. I would love to come gather towards you. So whether that's other things in our lives or other people that get attracted to us, I think there's this real beauty in in focusing on what we can control, but leaving an excited wonder around what is coming our way. Let it rise within you. When we're only mental, we are just completely letting go of our power. A lot of times it rises within us. It's like this kindling process. We have a little spark. We think, ooh, that feels really good. And that's almost what we want to follow. And before you know it, you're creating this fire within you. And that's what every artist does. And that's what every great business owner has done. They let that fire within charge them. And I just think it's very interesting when you think about life that way, because that's actually a remembering process that our soul goes through as well. So we really want to think about those moments where it almost feels like I almost knew that it would happen like this. I didn't know exactly how, but this feeling is what I have been cultivating for myself and tapping into. They say with manifestation, you set the manifestation and you release exactly how it will happen. And that's the surprise element coming in again. It really is a way of joining mind, body, spirit. So it's not a matter of eliminating one or the other. It is having them all work together. And I think this is a really good gut check. So rather than creating the should list to punish yourself with for the new year, to start with inventory. How is your mental landscape? How is your spiritual landscape? How is your physical landscape? What's working really well in each of those categories for you? Where are you curious? And asking it that way of not what do I want to change, but what am I curious about in this space? 
And just as a caveat, I think sometimes when the word spiritual comes up, it has a lot of charge and misconceptions and connotations around it. But the spiritual landscape also comes down to your values and your purpose and what makes you joyful and happy because joy is an emotion and emotions are energies. So it doesn't have to be like this grandois purpose or this massively giant spiritual experience. When we talk about your spiritual landscape, it can just be how satisfied you are in life right now. What types of things would make you feel more joyful, right? So you can approach the spirituality side however you are comfortable. Just taking inventory on those things and then following your curiosity and just creating a curiosity list rather than a to-do list, I think will serve a lot of us in this year a lot better. Yeah. And almost making your intentions about the learning that will come through because we're always learning something about ourselves. Really just approaching the year as how can I get to know myself more deeply? Do I do that through an art class? Do I do it through a book, through a course online? Whatever it is, when you learn about yourself, something is bound to come through. And again, you get to surprise yourself and it gets to be super fun that way. And I think that curious element is what drives us. Sometimes life, I've heard this from my clients in the past, it can feel very stagnant. It can feel boring. That's because the energy is stuck. And so you want to bring in something that at least brings some joy. If you're following what brings you joy, there's going to be more motivation behind it. And that's when possibilities expand. Like building blocks, right? Joy begets joy. Success begets success, whatever, however you define those things, right? And sometimes misery begets misery. So if we're finding ourselves kind of in that stuck energy, whatever it looks like, to be purposeful about, I've got a glimpse of that joy thing over there. So how could I expand that? And misery, been giving you company for a little too long. Thank you very much. Mm. Yeah, Joy likes company (laughs) too. Right, exactly. Yeah, totally. We've been speaking about a lot of really important things, I think, not just for a New Year's Day episode, but also for a new year ahead. And I hope this has been helpful. And Gabriella, how else can people work with you in this coming year? Well, I offer reading. So if you are curious to connect to spirits, then I would love to talk to you and help you find more about your purpose your purpose in life and really whatever is coming up. And I also am a life coach. So I have a program that will be launching February 2024. It's called Dream Weaver. This is a six-month container where we are focusing on connecting you to your intuition, enriching your relationships, also magnetizing wealth. So we do all of this energetically as well as with the mind. And you can just check that out on my website. It is alziari.co. I'm sure we can put it in the show notes. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's spirituality underscore Gabriella. And then my YouTube spirituality with Gabriella. So many wonderful ways to stay in touch. And mom, without further ado, would you like to end us with a quote? I have a quote by Maria Irving. Pay attention to how the universe speaks to you today and participate in the flow by being attentive and by listening to your inner voice. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Energy flows where our attention goes, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody loves yep. taking credit for that one. We were talking about this last week. Thank you all for joining us. We hope that you got something out of this episode. Happy New Year to you all. And of course, if we can be helpful in any way, you know where to find us. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. And until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Nomi podcast. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.